0: Hi everyone this will be the first official podcast of 2019 for everything's different now with me charles kelly so let's get right to it i want to tell you about when i was growing up this was the 70s decade the vietnam war was ending and disco was about to take over the airwaves and would forever change my life for the better i grew up right outside of atlanta in a lower middle class neighborhood i didn't know it was middle class until much later i thought everyone ate fried spam and doubled ham. The first thing I remember liking that liked me back was television. I remember lying on an orange shag carpet in the den in front of the council TV. No, kids, TVs didn't always hang on a wall and were razor thin. They used to come in a box made of wood with three channels, four when TBS came along. There was no remote control back then. I was the remote control. The first TV show I genuinely remember was the Brady Bunch. And if you're my age, then you have stories about discovering the Brady Bunch as well. This was so exotic to me. The opening credits give you the background of the story, so you're able to jump right in. The outside of the house was so clean and well-maintained. And of course, the sun always shines on TV. Mrs. Brady, or Carol, as I like to call her, was the quintessential California mother. Thin with a blonde street coiffed hairdo and she was always in fashionable clothes no walmart for this lady and mr brady was the handsome mike brady architect extraordinaire he was always there with sage advice wherever you go there you are and carol and mike never fought yes they did have disagreements but it was always quiet and in another room oh mike there were the three boys, Greg, Peter, and Bobby, who were handsome and athletic. I didn't see any of the anxiety and fear I always had. They were perfect. The three girls, Marcia, Jan, and Cindy, were replicas of their mother blonde California girls who you just knew were the popular girls in the school. And then there was Alice the benevolent housekeeper who was dedicated to taking care of the Bradys, always there with a warm bosom to cry into, or cookies right out of the oven when the kids arrived home from school. Mmm, peanut butter. Thanks, Alice. Now, the Brady Bunch never really made me laugh. I was just fascinated by the sun-kissed normalcy of the family. I mean, they went on real vacations to the Grand Canyon and Hawaii. If we were lucky, we got to go to the Redneck Riviera, that's right, kids, Panama City beach. And we never stayed on the beach; it was always across a busy road in a motel. There were always two queen sized beds in the room that would be occupied by my parents in one bed and my sister and grandmother in the other. I was relegated to the floor near the bathroom with just a pillow and a blanket if I was lucky. Isn't this how all families travel? And while other kids on the beach were busy making sandcastles, I was making sand trailer parks with an old truck up on cinder blocks and a dog chained to a tree. So for me, watching the Brady Bunch was like watching a foreign television show. Then came all the sitcoms that really took over my life. The Carol Burnett Show, which taught me that physical comedy was funny and I could make other kids laugh. Please like me. There was the Mary Tyler Moore Show and its spin off, Rhoda and Phyllis. The Bob Newhart Show. This was my Saturday night. But then came the ultimate sitcom for me, Laverne and Shirley. Everything about it was funny to me, the physical humor, the jokes and dialogue, and it showed me that lower middle class could be okay. I mean, these women were living in a one-bedroom basement apartment drinking milk and Pepsi, and they were happy. Nothing ever seemed to turn out right for them, but they all still managed to be okay. They had each other and friends who always stood by them. So there was hope for me. I lived for Laverne and Shirley. Tuesday nights at 8.30 with my bag of Munchos potato crisps. No one should bother me. Then came the racy sitcoms like Three's Company and Soap. They had immoral characters doing bad things. And look, there's a gay character and one pseudo-gay character. Now, I was fascinated. An actual gay person on TV? So that's what they look like. At the time, I had no idea what a gay person should look like or be. Up until then, I'd only had Wayland Flowers and Madam as a reference. Now, Jodie Dallas and Jack Tripper, the characters, were played by Billy Crystal and John Ritter, two straight actors. You have to remember, it wasn't chic back then to admit you were a homosexual in Hollywood. So it had to be straight actors playing the gays. That makes it so much funnier. Yes, these men had to learn how to act gay. So, of course, seeing this represented on television was a huge deal for me. Here were men who liked other men. Exactly how I felt, but didn't have a name for yet. This encouraged me. Maybe my sister was wrong and Anita Bryant didn't really hate me. You see, even though my sister turned out to be a lesbian, she thought it amusing to torture me about how I acted. Telling me Anita Bryan hated me, telling me animals had no souls and wouldn't go to heaven, even though she knew how much I loved my pets. She even went so far as to use her allowance to pay other kids in the neighborhood to beat me up. So this is why television, and specifically family sitcoms, were so important to me growing up. It was julie and barbara on one day at a time who actually liked each other and would conspire together in shenanigans to drive their mother Anne crazy siblings who actually liked and supported each other what kind of insane world was this you had alice early to bed early to rise who worked a minimum wage job as a waitress at mill's diner yet still found time to make her son tommy the priority in her life giving him the bedroom in the one bedroom Phoenix apartment while she slept on a pull out sofa bed, making sure he was taken care of physically and emotionally. There was Sonny and Cher show. Who was a striking woman with the long black hair? I was in love. Now this was similar to the Carol Burnett show in that it was a variety show, mixing skits, songs, and jokes. And i would see cher sing with passion and it made me so happy i mean here was a strong woman who didn't give a damn what anyone thought she looked different than what was being portrayed on television and she owned it she would forever be my friend and speaking of friends by the end of the decade came the facts of life taking the good taking the bad and there you had the facts of life it was an all-girls school being run by sweet queer motherly type mrs garrett Now, she looked somewhat eccentric with her flyaway red hair and ample body. This I could relate to. I was growing up in an environment that seemed crazy as well. But the only difference was unlike in my real life, on television, this difference seemed to be celebrated and loved. The girls were all friends, no matter what color, body type, or socioeconomic class age came from. This was a far cry from my so-called friends, who found glee in making fun of our family's lower middle-class status. And as the beginning of high school loomed on the horizon, one by one, these people dropped off to the wayside. They knew they couldn't be seen or be friends with the likes of me. So going into the high school years, I literally started high school with zero friends. I had to navigate that world with what I learned from television and try my best to fit in. You see, at that time, I didn't understand how being different was really a gift. So growing up, television for me was my parent, my sibling, and my friend, and I will forever be grateful to the creators of those sitcoms and variety shows, for they kept me sane in a reality that was not my friend. So that's just a little glimpse into my formative growing up years. There is so much more, and I will discuss it in later episodes. If you have stories to tell, Or just want to make a comment, email me at thetruecharleskelly at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, different is a good thing.